Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton with Row underway on this Thursday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. It includes the uh, YouTube channel. Search out Outkick there. Subscribe. Join Chad in the chat as he logs in right now as we speak. Got a lot happening today. We've got uh, Trey Wallace, Outkick.com senior college football reporter. He'll be with us coming up in 20 minutes. Eager to get his take on several of the big college matchups. Uh, there are plenty. Uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, Tyler Matzik is also on the show today, uh, later this hour. Braves pitcher. Chad, uh, unfortunate loss for your Bravos. Yeah, uh, not not very close. When we left the studio yesterday, I said, yeah. hey, Braves strike first. Ozzy Albies, RBI, one nothing." By the time I got to my car, I turned on the game to hear Bryce Harper's three-run upper deck shot. Mm. That made it four the to one, shot. and I immediately turned the game off. <laughs> when a coach of softball practice left the practice to find the Braves had lost ten to two. Tyler Matzik uh, coming up later this hour. We've got Armando Salguero, Outkick.com's senior NFL reporter. Uh, always great. He always brings the energy, and so does Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf, a former NFL quarterback and Coog. He'll be on with us uh, later in the show. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, it is great to be here. Uh, I am going to be on the YouTube chat today, chatting with the people. That's right. I also just happen to look down, and, and sometimes, I don't always do this, but I'll look at my mentions, and I happen to see someone who just said, somewhere, Chad Withrow is still screaming into the void. And I just reposted that and said, from your mom's house. Yes. <laughs> uh, I have no idea what this is in reference to, but I thought that was a good time to use a your mama joke. So I said, from your mom's house is where I'm screaming into the void. Thank you. Hey, uh, throwback there. Goodbye, that- everyone. Have the, a great uh, show. This is the this is the weekend now. We declare Thursday's the the weekend. It is the weekend. Good. And I'm not talking about Super Bowl halftime performances with mirrors. Something the better. actual weekend has arrived now because we have football tonight, Hudden. Yep. Thursday night football. Chiefs, Broncos. NFL, college. The weekend starts on this show on Thursdays. So happy weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, happy football. Uh, kicking yeah. off uh, later this evening. And uh, of course, uh, Major League Baseball will get to as well. Chad, uh, don't know. Uh the Real game day status of Brown's quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, he did not practice today, so the saga continues with the shoulder issue that kept him out of the week five matchup, or excuse me, week four matchup. Brown's coming off a bye week and then uh, getting ready to face the San Francisco 49ers uh, with more than likely PJ Walker at quarterback, their practice squad QB, who is going to uh, jump. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, their rookie QB, who was thrown into the mix in the fire in week four right towards the end of warm-ups when Watson decided he wasn't going to play, even though the medical staff in Cleveland had cleared him. Since then, the Browns have come off of that stance and put him on the injury report, and they have kept him out of practice. So here's the $230 million fully guaranteed quarterback that is injured, hurt, banged up, however you want to describe it. And 
at least from the perception of the 30,000-foot view, Chad, it's confusing because there's no clarity on exactly what the issue is on the throwing shoulder that allowed him to say he wasn't going to play, even though the Browns medical staff had cleared him to play in that matchup a, a week ago. And you've got the fully guaranteed money. It's just another reason why owners are going to continue to point and say, we're never going to do this. It was a dumb contract. And it's also why we're not going to see Kyler Murray, for instance, suit up in Arizona because of the injury guarantee, where if he gets hurt after coming back off of PUP, his salary this year in the fully guarantees goes from $56 million to $92 million. So they're playing that game as well, where it doesn't appear as though he's going to be activated anytime soon. But in Watson's case, it's the Browns with a, a ton of investment and a very talented team, and they don't have their franchise guy. And I, I can't help but, but think that's not going to go over well and hasn't gone over well internally. Well, let's play a little game called, uh, I like to call small picture, big picture. Small picture, this is awful for the Browns. That organization has invested everything and Deshaun Watson being the guy, and not just some guy or a guy that can win some games in the regular season, someone to bring a Super Bowl title to Cleveland. That's what they're paying him to do, and that's the type of money he's making in guaranteed money. So if there's any type of reason at all to suspect that he is dogging it, pun intended, with the Browns, well done. that's a bad thing. If there is an injury that he's been cleared of, and could play and could suit up and go, and it's definitely a better option, their backup, and he's not doing it. Awful, awful, awful for the Cleveland Browns. And any Browns fan has every right to be pissed off about that. So that's the small picture of this. Now let's go to the big picture of this. The owners are going to win in this argument right now. And it's not just because Deshaun Watson may, may be injured. It's because Deshaun Watson may be faking injury right now. That's the big problem. It is devastating to a team if you give someone guaranteed money at quarterback and they break their leg in a game and they're out for a season or a season and a half. Everyone will look around and say, man, that's, that's unfortunate. Aaron Rodgers. Jets invest everything in Aaron Rodgers, leading them to the promised land. Fourth play of the season or whatever it was, tears his Achilles tendon, done. Devastating. Right? We can all look at that and say, Hey, it's a violent sport. Injuries happen in weird ways sometimes. And you can write it off as that. And this is why we don't give guaranteed money to people, by the way. Because it's a sport that features a ton of injuries every single week. Now imagine a world where the quarterback that is the blessed child of one NFL owner, that is the first one to get a fully guaranteed contract, may in fact be faking or exaggerating an injury when a team doctor has cleared him to play. This is the end game for quarterbacks of the future that want to get a guaranteed contract, and it's no fault of their own. Some of these guys are worth it. That position in the NFL is worth it. It's worth a guaranteed contract. But Hutton, man, oh man, what a failed experiment if this continues that Deshaun Watson was the first one to get the guaranteed money and he may be dogging it and exaggerating an injury. Yeah, but I mean, they, they, the quarterbacks of the future are not going to get the guaranteed money because the quarterbacks of the present don't come together and demand it uh, with the leverage that they would have by just saying, we're not playing until we get the guaranteed money 
uh, and, and do that even whenever you're negotiating but a few years back. Would you not agree, though, this is a terrible, terrible well, first experiment? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Rego- like, I, look, um, Joe Burrow's playing through injury. If Joe Burrow was the one that got the guaranteed money, we might all be saying, look, man, this guy, he's putting his calf muscle on the line to go out there and perform for his organization that gave this vote of confidence to him. But Deshaun Watson, this just looks awful for him and for the whole situation. Well, and then on the, on the flip side of it, the Browns aren't saying what this is or what it's not. Nobody seems to know how to talk about the injury situation there because they've gone from uh, having a sore throwing shoulder to then a shoulder contusion to uh, Mary Kay Cabot of the of Cleveland Plain Dealer saying uh, he's – expected to play against the Ravens in week four, goes through warm-ups, decides he's not going to play, and since then, they've held him out of practice where he's been doing things on the in, inside the, the, the practice facility indoors while the team's outside, rehabbing and trying to do things to get back onto the field. At least that's the perception they're, they're portraying here of, of what is happening with Watson. Uh, meanwhile, um, you know, if it's just a contusion I'm thinking well it's it's sore you know it's it's pain and he's got a teammate in David Njoku who played through facial burns uh in the game against Baltimore uh based on uh, what had happened at his home you know a fire pit you know you talk about playing through pain and the pain tolerance and threshold uh on the same day where Watson decided he couldn't go Njoku did and and this that, is that, that sends a a a loud and clear message within the locker room. And it's it would just, have to. These are, these are two examples, right, of, and you can't – it's easy to take one little thing and say, blow it up and say, okay, this is it for all time, and this is every example of, of everything. But this is one team and a clear example of David and Joku guaranteed nothing moving forward, could get cut for not playing well and not get owed anything other than what he's already made in signing bonuses – out there, and look, it could just be difference in personality too, pain threshold, all of that. But out there with these burns all over his body, playing for his team, and then the argument from ownership will always be you pay the guy the guaranteed money and they're not going to perform at the same level or they're not going to be as into it, right? And that's the NBA model. Mm-hmm. That's what they would say in Major League Baseball at times also the same way. Whether that's right or wrong, this is just a one-team example of what owners will point to uh, in the future about that. Kudos to Njoku um, for pe- playing through this. Uh, it looks like something that's very, very painful. Yeah, no doubt. You know, then you've, uh, Stefanski, who's going into this season, Chad, uh, on the hot seat anyway, because you've got the uh, – we, we said this offseason, Watson's now got the, the NBA-type money uh, on the roster where he's got the – NBA general manager's hat on if he wants. You know, he's got the uh, decision-making. If he wants someone in or out, I mean, you've got the fully guaranteed money going to Watson. Uh, it's and, also kind and, of the NBA-type motivation, right? That, well, that, that's the scary part of it is if you give everyone where they're set up for life and they've got a long contract where it's all been paid, it's all guaranteed, are they going to be motivated to be the well, same player they are, were at their height? Some are and some are not. Right. right? They, they, they bet on the wrong horse is what it kind of looks like, right? With Deshaun Watson. That's, well, that's the problem here. They bet on the wrong guy. Well, I, I want to see what happens now uh, going into this week six matchup because if he plays, then all of this conversation is just a moot point, right? I mean, he, yeah. he, he set out 
in week four, comes off the bye, and is ready to go against San Francisco. Um, and also in his favor, Chad, is uh, in a weird circumstance, you have the, the injury at running back that actually opens things up in Stefanski's offense for more of what Watson does best. You know, you've got the, the, some receivers. You've got Njoku, Watson. Uh, we saw what he did in Houston. Um, and despite those options, Stefanski, number one, number one thing he wants to do within his offense is turn around and hand the football off. Now, don't necessarily... Can't do that as much. Do, yeah, you don't do that as much without the, the workhorse, without one of the, the more talented backs in the league. So that seemed to open things up in a, a big way as Watson took on the Titans' defense. And then he didn't play against Baltimore. Yeah. It's uh, that if he doesn't play this week, Willie Colon, uh, who's been on this show and is uh, very opinionated, said, "Hey, uh, stop being soft. Get out there and play." You know, they, he 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 would know. He blocked for Ben Roethlisberger, protected him for years in Pittsburgh, and he, he cited Joe Burrow. And there are others that are playing through injury each and every week, not just at the quarterback position. Watson needs to get out there if it's nothing more than a, a, a shoulder contusion. But again, the Browns are now the ones pushing that, not Watson. Yeah, someone in the YouTube chat is saying, a guy accused of like 30 sexual assaults only cares about himself. Who could have seen this coming uh, before that contract happened? Um, that, that's the problem with all this now. That, that's the correlation with everything. It's the sexual assault allegations. It's the decline in his play on the field since he set out for two years. Now it's mixed with whether he comes back or not, it's a one-week hiatus where the head coach didn't have your back. The head coach, in fact, is telling the media publicly, our, our team doctor cleared him to play, so we don't really know what's going on. And then it's shrouded in mystery. Now, maybe Watson comes back and they clearly explain what's been going on with him and why he didn't play, and Kevin Stefanski almost has to issue an apology saying, oh, I didn't know all this was going on, but he's back now and everything's he, fine. We do know he was cleared, though. And if he comes out and he plays great... Moving forward, okay, yeah, you know, we can sweep this under the rug, water under the bridge, whatever analogy you want to use. But if he didn't come back and play great and they don't explain what's happened, it's more bad with Deshaun Watson. Just more, more bad. And it's been a lot of bad the last three years with Deshaun Watson. And not a lot of good. And not a lot of good, and it, it does no good. Uh, to not be transparent with whatever's going on here. But, but hey, enjoy it, that 27-3 win over the Titans. Yeah. That was a great performance, Deshaun. Browns fans, yeah. enjoy it. Enjoy that it, one while it lasted. They're in a division that's back and forth uh, on a weekly basis, too. Uh, Baltimore, nine drops, tons of turnovers. They lose to Pittsburgh. And now the Steelers right now sit atop the AFC North. Yeah, and I hate this for uh, the Browns. I, that's a fan base and an organization oh. that it demand, it should demand better. It's it's been it's been too long. I think about this when I watch that Bills list fans of quarterbacks at times. Like that is a passionate fan base and region of the country for that team. And Jimmy Haslam bet on the wrong guy. That that's that's to me what it looks more and more like with Deshaun Watson. He saw that enticing carrot of a young possible franchise quarterback out there, and was willing to do too much to make sure. They're the ones that got him, and I, I just – right now it doesn't look like he's worth it, quite frankly. Yeah. No, he hasn't Maybe been. he proves us all wrong, but he doesn't look like he's worth he it at been. all. You're right. And, and, you know, they he went over the top to beat out teams like New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina. I was uh, practically uh, the NFC 
that was all on board, yeah. and then Cleveland jumped in and gave him the fully guaranteed money. Suspended, and now the rough start to 2023 as well. Browns fans deserve better. Yes. Yeah, and Stefanski's going to be the one that pays. He's the first to go. Like that, that he will be the shrapnel in this, which and is that, fine, and that's how it goes. You know, and he was he was it, already being questioned going into this year anyway. Yeah, he's not you know some something that's just detrimental to all the operation and everything they do at all times. But it's unfortunate that well, you, you got to fire the coach because the owner went all in on a guy that's not panning out. That, that, so now we got to fire the coach. Not panning out, but we do know the talent that is there. And, and not just with Watson, but with the entire roster right now. That's yeah, a good team. Well, and the defense shows it. That's a good right? roster. The defense produces uh, the court. We, I, we still don't really know what Deshaun Watson is post-two-year hiatus. Now, well, that's the issue now. We knew what he was at his best. He was really, really good. The last time we've seen him play, he was really good. He was a top-five quarterback in the NFL for about a two-year stretch. Yes. He's yeah. not right now. Some great quarterbacks on center stage Saturday. Trey Wallace from Outkick joins us to talk college football next on Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. Trey Wallace joins us, senior college football reporter for outkick.com. Trey, always great to see you, man. Hope things are well. It It is good, man. Getting ready for a uh, another wild weekend of, of college football. It's, I mean, it's all around the country from the West Coast to the Northeast to the South. I mean, we are, uh, we're set. So I'm looking forward to it. This should be, uh, last week was separation week. This week is kind of a statement week, in my opinion. Statement can be made for Washington and Oregon and separation as well uh, with, with this because the gauntlet, at least I, I, I believe we're, we all agree here, the, the gauntlet of the Pac-12 uh, and how close these teams are uh, in, in terms of uh, competitive uh, rosters and quarterback play, quite frankly, uh, they may end up eating their own, so to speak. Maybe at the end of this, they don't get a single team in the college football playoff, but Trey, doesn't it feel like the winner on Saturday is the that's the team that everyone is saying, yeah, lock them in for one of the four? Guys, just think back two years ago when, when we're talking about Oregon and Washington and where we're sitting at today with Bo Nix leading the Ducks, Michael Penix. You know, we all know his 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 ride to get to Washington, which included, you know, Commitment to Tennessee, stop Indiana, going to Washington. And, and now we're sitting here and we have a, you know, I think a seven versus eight matchup. And, and, and this is not an eliminator game either for the Pac-12. Right. Like this is a, okay, who's just going to get the one game edge up? Like, because I think there's going to be multiple losses just because these teams have to play each other. So I, I, I think at the end of the season – it's going to be very interesting to see who's playing for that Pac-12 championship. But what a what a monster weekend for for the Pac-12. And 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 even you know Oregon Washington, I agree that that is the 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 main picture uh, on Saturday. But the fact that you know you're going to get USC Notre Dame that night, and the fact you're going to get Oregon State in a high profile game, like I just, this just sets up. And I haven't seen it in a long time, brother. Where the Pac-12 is the main event this weekend, and it starts 
you know, with, with Washington and Oregon, two offenses that are going to be, you know, this is, I have a feeling this is going to be a 42-38 type of football game. And I, I think that you mentioned it on Tuesday, Jonathan, about Oregon's defense. Mm-hmm. I think Oregon's defense is good. I'm just interested to see what happens when Michael Penix maybe gets into a little bit of trouble, has to start, you know, aggressively throwing some passes. But it's going to be fun. I'm stoked for Saturday. Clay would always uh, – Clay, you're Trey, right? Clay, Trey. Yeah. I the, am the, the name's Rhyme. Yeah, the names do, in fact, rhyme, so that's good. Trey, uh, one thing I love about college football is regardless of where, where the games are played, regionally or not, they are impactful yeah. nationally. Great example this week, Pacific Northwest – with Oregon and Washington, Southeast, Tennessee, Texas A&M. And while this game may not impact the college football playoff in the end, it is very impactful for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. And if Tennessee wants to reach some of the goals they set out before the season, it's a game they need to win at home, and it's a very tough defensive front they're going up against with Texas A&M. What do you think about the matchup of these two and what this game could mean for Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's huge, too. I mean, it, it's 3.30 CBS game. You know, it, it is a, a national audience. You know, you got Alabama and Arkansas kicking off at 11 o'clock. Like, people want to see, okay, what's Josh Heupel up to? Um, and, and especially coming off that loss to Alabama last weekend, they now want to see how does Jimbo Fisher respond? Is his team, you know, is his team just too much motivated, you know, for Alabama? So you got to come off that high, and then you got to go to Knoxville and play a team in Tennessee that, you know, top 18, top 16, whichever poll you look at, team in the country, and, and they're trying to make waves in the SEC and the SEC East, and they're trying to stay in contention. It's a monster matchup. And, and the biggest thing that stands out to me, I was, I was talking with some folks you know, out in California earlier today that were blowing up my mentions about a saving piece, but then we got to talking about the SEC a little bit. And it's like, they're wondering the same thing. They hear about Jimbo Fisher. You know, they hear about the fat contract. They know what goes on at Texas A&M. So you look at this one, and, and I know it's at the same time as like Oregon, Washington, but it really doesn't matter because what they've done now, Tennessee's always been a national brand. You can find Tennessee fans in Oregon, Alaska, overseas. It doesn't matter. They're everywhere. And then you add on the Texas A&M point of this whole situation where people know Texas A&M, but once they joined the SEC, it was like, okay, here we go. And now you look at it with Jimbo Fisher, and everybody's wondering, what's going to happen with Jimbo at the end of the season? Is Texas A&M satisfied? If if the Aggies lose – Let's just say they lose three more games this year. Is that going to be enough for Ross Bjork to make a decision on on if they want to keep Jimbo around? And then the flip side of that is, would Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M come up and and beat Tennessee and Knoxville, a team that garnered national attention? You have to think about it. Tennessee was in the dumps two years ago. And the fact that now, you know, they're on CBS at 3.30, that we we saw what they did last season. Um, you know, Joe Milton is a story around college football because people are so enamored with his skill set. And, and, and it's and it's a very big deal. So you've got you got two sections of this thing going on. It's like Oregon and Washington is big. 
you know, from a, a ranking standpoint at the same time in the Pac-12. But then down there in the SEC, you know, you've got Tennessee and Texas A&M, two national brands that people care about and will be tuning in. If you got YouTube TV, you're going to have both games on, you know, and, and whatever, you know, television market or whatever you choose to use. But I'm just saying this is a matchup now where you have to tune in because you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know what's going to happen with Jimbo Fisher and Chad on the Tennessee side of things. Can this propel big thing here? Can this propel Tennessee to get on track and go down to Tuscaloosa next week and cause some chaos, a lot on the line about 10 minutes down the road for me on Saturday. Yeah, and because, you know, the, that schedule gets so tough for Tennessee now with A&M at Bama at Kentucky lined up for them. The game feels bigger for Tennessee as a team, but it's way more important for Jimbo Fisher personally. So I do think it's an I interesting agree. matchup from that perspective of what Tennessee wants to do, but also what Jimbo Fisher wants to do to rebound from last year. I, I, I want to ask you about Louisville, Trey, a team we have not talked about yet. There's a reason Jeff Brom left Purdue for Louisville, and it's not just because it's his alma mater. He knows that he can win the ACC at Louisville, and I don't think he felt that way with Purdue in the Big Ten. They're 6-0 and right now. They're at Pitt this weekend. They're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Should we start talking more about this Louisville team in year one for Jeff Brom? It's going to be very fascinating to me for them going on the road to Pitt. Um, and I, I, Look, I know Pitt's record this year. I get it. But this is still a tough defensive team. Louisville, it's not one of those teams that's come out of nowhere. Like, Louisville's been a brand. You know what I mean? Because And everybody can relate it to the starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens right now. Um, you 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 look at Lamar Jackson and what he did, and, and that was must-watch television when it comes to Louisville. You look at them now, the, the high-octane offense is what gets me. I'm enjoying it. And, and watching what they did against Notre Dame last weekend in front of that crazy stadium that's no longer called Papa John's or whatever, uh, I, I, I think this is a team – that you have to start really, really paying attention to in the ACC because it might not be just North Carolina. It might not be just Florida State. you got a Louisville team. If they can score those type of points and put up that, I thought the secondary played so well against Sam Hartman. If they can continue down this road, man, we're heading for a weird collision course the last month of the season the ACC on who actually is going to be playing for a title because right now you got two teams that aren't even going to play the Cardinals this season. So I'm, I'm fascinated with former Tennessee coach, Jeff Brom. That's an inside joke uh, yeah. for people who follow Tennessee uh, or, or the SEC, but I think he's done a hell of a job. And the fact that he waited it out, you know, he kind of flirted the last time Louisville was open then it was open and he took the chance. Now it's starting to pay off for them. And it's fun to watch, man. The offense is, it, it just, he couldn't run it at Purdue, Chad, but he can run his offense at Louisville. The Miami Hurricanes have games against all three current unbeaten ACC teams left on the schedule. And I can't wait to see how they respond on that roster after what happened last week in that loss to Georgia Tech and Mario Cristobal's decision to not take the knee but to hand off to Cheney, we know the rest, and Georgia Tech goes on to win the game. Yeah. They're on the road against North Carolina this week. What do you expect, based on just the emotional reaction and the firestorm that we saw throughout this week, 
but also on the sideline, on the bench, during that situation, during the fumble, and then, of course, after Georgia Tech wins on the walk-off? Two things are going to happen, Jonathan. Either we're about to get a Tyler Van Dyke versus Drake May uh, battle at quarterback on offense, and I'm talking exploring touchdowns, back and forth, offensive battle that, that goes all game. Or North Carolina and them, they're going to come out, Drake May, and they're going to get up 14 to nothing or 17 to three or something like that. And Miami still reeling off what happened last week. I think that it's not that they're purposely folding. I think emotionally that football team is absolutely drained after yeah. what happened Saturday. They have been the butt of every joke this week. It's not on the players. It's not on the players. And he, he you know, running back fumbled the football. It is what it is. It's the coaching staff. It's the school as a whole. We've seen just so much paid attention to how that game ended. If they – look, we all – 18 to 21-year-old kids, man, they've been taking it all week. If they get down by two touchdowns or, or, or if it gets out of hand against North Carolina, what was, I thought, once a promising matchup, I think could get ugly between these two teams. So I'm very interested to see how Miami comes out and how Tyler Van Dyke and that offense try to keep up, go, go touchdown for touchdown with Drake May. Trey, we know all the jokes about Brian Ferentz and the Iowa offense and what yeah. they don't do, which is score points. Does it ever touch Kirk Ferentz? Does all the jokes about Brian Ferentz and him possibly losing his job this year, does that ever reach the head man in Iowa City, or is he immune to criticism from Iowa fans for eternity? He shouldn't be He shouldn't be immune, man. Like, like Chad, I, I'm at a certain age, and I'm not going to give out now, but it feels like Ferentz has been at Iowa for 40 years. Like, it, you know, this is the point where, okay, you retire and you build some kind of statue for helping the Iowa football program. Um, I, I do well, think – He's been there for half of my life, so that kind of gives away my age. But I mean, he's been okay. there a long time. And I'm not exactly you, young right now, so he's been there a you while. Got me, you got me beat by a couple of years, so you got yeah. me. Um, no, but I look, I, I, I do think that it that rubs off on, on Kirk. And, and I think that, look, you, you have to walk a fine line when you've got employees of your school and people on your staff that you're related to uh, and, and also how to handle that pressure, I think that's the biggest part of this thing. And, and it's going to come down to it. Iowa's going to make a decision sometime, I would think, in the near future that, hey, look, we have passed this current stage of where we're at with Ferentz. We have got to try something different, especially, guys, with a new Big Ten that's coming with USC and UCLA. I just I just don't know how much longer they can keep holding on to this this Ferentz family hope that things are going to turn around for Iowa. Uh, we've seen them win some big games. We've seen them drop some duds that they shouldn't have. And, you know, this 25-point per game total that's hanging over Brian Ferentz's head, talk about the dumbest way to get publicity towards your school for being bad. That's what Iowa did. Congratulations to them. They're having a sit in it. Trey, exactly uh, one minute left here. USC and Notre Dame, uh, the Irish, what do, you, what do you think about them hosting USC coming off the loss and trying to regroup and get a win and, and what would be a massive loss for USC and their title hopes? Bounce back win for Notre Dame this weekend. Okay. After two weeks of just going through the grind with Ohio State, going to Duke, 
how those games ended. You know, you get back on campus. I, I The weather, I've been told, is going to be kind of iffy. I think Notre Dame rushes the football. I think Sam Hartman leads them. I personally watch USC's defense right in front of me. That secondary is bad. I think the linebacking crew is not as good. Alex Grinch's defense, they're going to give up some points this weekend. And I think Sam Hartman with a night crowd in South Bend, Indiana, uh, I, I think they get the win over USC. Going to be fun. Calling for uh, a lot of rain in South Bend. So yeah. get ready for that. Uh, Trey, always great, man. We, we appreciate the visit each week. Enjoy the football weekend. We'll be reading. Guys, have a good one. Always appreciate it. Thanks, Trey. Trey Wallace, uh, more at outkick.com. You can also check out the uh, Trey Wallace podcast. Jake Crane, his guest this week. That's available right now at Outkick. Coming up, Chad, Tyler Matzik joins us. Braves pitcher. Discuss the postseason, his recovery from Tommy John surgery, and the outlook for the Braves now as they play later today, but down one game in the series. Broadcasting from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Pleased to be joined by Atlanta Braves pitcher Tyler Matzik on the program today. Tyler, uh, thanks for the time, man, and uh, hope things are well in the recovery from Tommy John surgery last October. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. So the Braves currently uh, trail the series two games to one. Face off against the Phillies later this evening. Uh, how nerve wracking is it to sit and watch this, knowing that uh, as, as invested as you are with the with the clubhouse and with the franchise? Yeah, I know what the stress feels like to be a fan now. Um, <laughs> you know, usually I'm I'm out there on the field trying to help the guys win, but uh, you know, being on the sidelines this year, all I can do is cheer and, and try and support my teammates as, as best as I can, and. Um, you know, I think we got a good chance. I know, uh, I know it might sound a little crazy, but, you know, we got two horses going. We got Spencer Strider and we got Max Freed going. So these next two games are, uh, you know, it, it, they're gonna, we're going to give it our best shot. How difficult is it to face the, uh, the same lineup five days later within the five-day span? You know, uh, usually it's a very difficult thing, but when you got two aces like yeah. that, um, you know, th- those guys have just unbelievable stuff that, that can make – any offense uh kind of just like a, a it can neutralize them so you know if, if max goes about his job and if spencer um goes about their job we, we got a good shot uh to try and pull something out that, that might shock some people so orioles dodgers already gone two of the best teams in baseball record wise astros advance braves on the verge right now but still alive and still in it we've seen teams struggle that have the break that get the buy through that wild card round. How difficult is it, Tyler, to, to, to gear back up and to take five days off when you've gone from the start of April until October having one day off at the most? Yeah, it's difficult. I think it's tougher for uh, the hitters. You know, seeing 98 coming in at you, there's there's only a handful of ways you can replicate that, you know. Um, and, and I think that that's bigger layoff for the offense. Um, you know, but as a pitcher, man, I enjoy the rest. So I don't think that it's that big of a, that big of a deal. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's playoffs. Anything can kind of happen. And uh, you're seeing some really good teams go out there and play each other. And, and uh, you know, when you get into a series, it's a 50, 50 battle, you know, we can talk about uh, this team's better, that team's better, but 
um, you know, it's baseball. It's, it's whoever can handle those, those five to seven games and, you know, anything can happen. So when you're watching that double play, uh, the first ever eight, five, three double play in postseason history, uh, with the Braves win the other night, I, I talked to a number of Braves fans. I'm, I'm one of them. And we all kind of shared our reaction as it was going down in real time, the, the swing of emotion from, Oh, that thing is gone. And it's a one run Phillies lead to, Oh, he caught it to, Oh my goodness. Bryce Harper's all the way, almost a third. They might double him up and in the game. What were you thinking as it was going on? Yeah. I mean, I was right there with you. I was riding that roller coaster. Um, it was, Oh no, this can't be happening. Please stay in the park. You know, I'm not even, I don't even care if he catches it or not. It's just more, please stay in the park. You know, that gives us a chance where maybe only one run scores. And then Mike goes out and makes a gold glove play, you know, doing the things he does out there in center field, uh, goes up, snags it. And again, unbelievable play. So I'm, I'm ecstatic. And then I started, I looked to just see where the, you know, how the game's being played. I got, we see Harper around second base and, um, we're all screaming, Hey, one, one, one. And, you know, Riley made an unbelievable backup play kind of reminded me of Derek Jeter kind of being out of position, but in position. Uh, so seeing Riley do that makes a beautiful backhanded play. I've seen him do a million times with wash and, uh, in drills and fires a ball over to first base and we're able to double up Harper. And, uh, I think it was a fantastic play and it just kind of showed the way we, we play baseball, uh, where we're always thinking, we're always on the field trying to be in the right position and, yeah, made made the best of the moment. You said we are. Are you watching the game with a group? Are you watching from home? How are you experiencing these games? So I was at the yeah, I was in the stadium. Okay, uh, you were the there. For, okay, in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in Atlanta, and uh, I'm sitting right there in the in the dugout watching this all unfold, um, and just cheering, being one of the fans. That in that you, you said before, but that's way better than watching on television while the games are up in Philly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I enjoy being. In, in the atmosphere. I mean, how could you not? I mean, that's why fans pay tickets to go watch the game. Right. Uh, you know, I have my, my rehab and stuff I got to do. So unfortunately I'm not able to go up into Philly, but when, when the team's at home, I'm able to to sneak into the dugout and watch the games. So Philly's manager, Rob Thompson, not that long ago, uh, made a comment about Ronald Acuna jr. Celebrating a home run saying, you know, I prefer guys who act like they've been there before. Did you snicker or laugh at all when Bryce Harper's doing a throat slash gesture uh, after a home run, considering his manager were telling the Braves hitters to act like they've been there before when they've hit a home run? Yeah, I mean, Bryce can do whatever the heck he wants. You know, he, he had an unbelievable game the other night. And, um, you know, if he wants to do that, that's fine. Uh, you know, we got to do a better job of stopping that. And, uh, you know, it, the guy went out and he hit two homers against us, um, you know, he can do whatever kind of celebration he wants. Uh, my personal belief is that, you know, if it's intended at somebody other than your teammates to pump them up, I don't know if that's the right thing. But I mean, Bryce is a Bryce is a grown man. It's a grown man sport. If he wants to do that, it's on him. You know, baseball is one of those great sports that always kind of polices itself. And I saw this response immediately from kind of the old timer baseball fan saying, you know, in my day, uh, he'd get a fastball in the back the next time up that you just don't uh, allow that. Uh, how much of that still goes on in the game? I know it's changed a lot over the years, especially now as everyone seemingly throws 98-plus uh, in Major League Baseball. But how much of that is the same? How much of that is different now? 
you know, again, I don't think Bryce was meaning disrespect in any way. So I don't know that that is a, you know, a fair, a fair thing to say, uh, to, you know, to go after somebody like that with a fastball or anything like that. Um, you know, he's trying to pump up his team. He's trying to pump up his city and, and win a world series, you know, for a long time now, you know, teams in uh, college football and the NFL players were allowed to celebrate their touchdowns, celebrate them doing something. Well, I think the only time you cross the line is when you celebrate some other person doing something bad. So Bryce goes out there and hits a home run and wants to celebrate. However he wants to celebrate, do whatever, you know, dance party, whatever he wants to do. I don't really care. That's, you know, congratulations to him. He did something good, but um, you know, I think it's when you cross the line, which he didn't do this, but if you cross the line of uh, pointing to somebody or flipping them off or whatever, I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's where it's kind of, Hey, are you celebrating your success or someone else's failure? Tyler Matzik with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, a Braves pitcher who is on the men from Tommy John surgery. What's what's the rehab process like for this, knowing that, you know, Tani's going to go through this as well. Take us behind the scenes, if you don't mind, and just uh, the, the process and uh, the long process of getting back on the mound. Yeah, so it's they say it takes about a year. Um, you know, it just depends on the surgery you have. The surgery I had takes about a year and uh, actually – it's been exactly one year today. So, uh, we're getting really, really close. Um, I got a couple more bullpens, a couple live VPs or, or simulated games basically. And then, uh, the rehab process for me would be over. I'd be able to go into having a good, healthy off season and get ready for next spring training. But the process is a long, slow one. The first six months you're basically just a patient you're doing rehab for the end every single day for four or five hours a day, at least. And, um, not throwing, not doing anything. Finally, you get to that six month mark, you start throwing and it's just a slow progression where you're increasing, you're increasing either volume, you're increasing the distance of a throw, or you're increasing the intensity of the throw. And you're just slowly stacking those, those three categories up and up and up until you get to a point where you are getting off of a mound and then back to being a baseball pitcher. I know your buddies with Michael McHenry. We have him on weekly to talk MLB. And um, he talks a lot about Braves culture and the culture of that clubhouse. And you see it with guys playing every single day and refusing to come out of the lineup. But, Tyler, if you had to describe the culture of that Braves clubhouse, what is that definition? Man, it's a brotherhood. We all love each other. Um, I'll go have a beer and sit down and, and talk to any one of those guys in that clubhouse. Uh, I love them. If they called me to do something at two or three in the morning that, uh, you know, most people wouldn't, I wouldn't go do for, I would absolutely go do it for them. So, you know, they're just, they're just good people, number one, and then very good baseball players on top of that. And, uh, you know, Alex has done a fantastic job finding those high character guys. And, uh, you know, it's just an honor to be on that, that kind of team and in that kind of, atmosphere if you got 26 guys or really i mean we with baseball nowadays we got 40 good guys all pulling on the rope going in the same direction a lot of good things are going to happen so um yeah we just got it's more of a brotherhood in there than teammates and you can't manufacture that right like i'm sitting here thinking about like the mets lineup and how you just gotta you have to gradually build that culture and do it from the ground up like atlanta has done yeah, man, it's, it, it can't be faked. That's the thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, you have to truly care about the people you're around. That's number one. If you truly care about who they are as human beings and, and what's going on in their, their world, uh, it's easy to become a, a friend or a brother of them. And then, you know, when you can instill that love in that relationship uh, across the stadium or across the, the building, 
you know, everybody's willing to go that extra mile for somebody that they love. Tyler Matzik, our guest, uh, uh, knowing that you've been on the mend, uh, it's been at least a year. When's the last time you picked up a baseball bat? A baseball bat? Yeah, with the <laughs> uh, DH now. It's been, it, it's been quite a while, that's for sure. Uh, I like to tell everybody I can still hit, okay. but uh, I probably haven't done it in seven years, maybe. Wow. 2018, maybe. No, 2019. 2019 was the last time I did it. When I was playing indie ball, we had uh, so I played on a, a a different indie ball team. It was a half American, half Chinese national baseball team, and uh, we had an all American day. Most of our Americans were pitchers, so I was able to actually go out and play first base on the all American day. And so that was the last time I probably swung the bat in the game. <laughs> we had Tom Glavin on yesterday, Tyler, and I mean, if you saw the look in his face when I talked about pitchers' inability to lay down a bunt <laughs> in the last years before the DH. But he did say, like, most of these guys now, they specialize at such a young age. Glavin was a great hitter as a pitcher, but he said, all of us, we grew up, we're the third or fourth hitter on our team throughout. But we yeah. were all good athletes and good hitters also. As a kid, were you a good hitter? Could you rake at the plate when you were growing up, or did you just stop at a young age? No, I was a pretty good hitter. Um, you know, I don't want to go and toot my own horn or do anything to this, but, you know, I would have probably been a – fifth to 10th round if I played somewhere, you know, at first base or, or outfield, you know, I was pretty athletic. And then they said, Hey, you're just going to pitch. So then I got fat and just tried to throw <laughs> the ball as hard as I could. <laughs> Sounds like a good life. Is there a bat in that room you're doing this interview from right now? Could you just grab it? Just Actually, to see what no, it looks I, like for us. No, nah, I don't have one on me in here. <laughs> I was hoping there was a bat next to you so we could get the rare footage of Tyler Matzik holding a bat that we, yeah. no one has seen in seven in years. years. It's like spotting the Loch Ness monster, <laughs> seeing you with a bat. There you go. So, uh, what's the I'm setup? sure you can go check tape somewhere. I'm going to now. <laughs> hey, what's the setup like, uh, uh, what, three hours from now, whenever we see first pitch for you? How do you take it in? I'm just in my living room. You know, I was supposed to have some friends over. Everybody's supposed to come over that I didn't travel. Unfortunately, my wife's sick. So oh, we've okay. been kind of just laying low. Um, but yeah, we were supposed to have a little bit of a, like a watch party over here at the house. Uh, but we kind of kind of had to call an audible. I think somebody else is hosting it tonight. So we're sitting at the house and uh, listening to my wife sniffle and blow her nose and have that whole congestion thing got going on. I'm hoping she uh, she feels better soon. And uh, I, I, do I say congrats on the one year deal here with uh, Tommy John? I mean that's a that's a significant Congra milestone. Congrats right? on the progress. Yeah. And I, I would say good luck to you. Maybe watching Game Five from the Braves dugout. Yeah. Uh, back home in Atlanta. That, yeah. That, that would be the good luck for you. Yeah, I'm making plans for that. So I mean, I think that we got a very good shot. And um, you know, I'm just excited to see Spencer go out there and do his thing. I think he's going to have a little bit of a redemption from last year. You know, last year he was. It was his first start back since an oblique injury. And, and I know that he kind of struggled a little bit with, with uh, keeping that thing healthy and keeping it warm. But uh, I know he's been looking forward to um, getting back out there, getting into Philly and, and pitching against those guys. So I'm really excited to see what it is. It's going to be good baseball either way, you know, and, and I'm, I'm making plans for game five and uh, hopefully we get there. Tyler Matzik has been our guest. Tyler, thank you for the visit, man. This was great. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Awesome, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, thank you. Hey, Abs terrific. Thank absolutely. you so much. Yeah. Uh, follow him on social at Tyler Matzik. He makes it simple. Got to get that guy a bath next time. Yeah, man. We'll, uh, we'll uh, Amazon it to him. So I love that. They're ready to go. Coming up, uh, the, the wild card buy. Uh, does it hurt or help? We weigh in, and, well, the results this year speak 
for itself, really. That's next right here on Hot Mike with Nothing With Row.